The audio that you're listening to is recorded for Newfound Faith Christian Ministries at newfoundfaith.org. If you have not done so already, be sure to go to newfoundfaith.org and subscribe for email notifications so that you don't miss a post. You can also watch videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for Newfound Faith. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share what you listen to today with all of those that are around you. This week's Sunday School Lesson, Lesson Number 12 in the Winter Quarter, Blessing of Godliness. This week's lesson is being taught from the first chapter of 2 Peter, starting at the third verse and going through the 14th verse. The penultimate lesson for this quarter is touching on a thought that I have preached about, and I preached about this thought actually for all of January in my series of sermons about living for the better. I focused on how we are or how we should be living in a manner of faith so that we can return to the holiness and righteousness for which all of us were created in. As we saw in the second unit of lessons for this quarter, God has reconciled us unto himself, meaning that the Lord has restored himself to us and we should repent and we should reconcile ourselves to him. Now, because we have chosen to repent, because we have chosen to live in fellowship with the Lord, because we have chosen to reconcile ourselves to him, we live under grace. And that's something that we have been discussing for this last unit of lessons for this quarter as well. In the Lord's grace, we we are being transformed from our old nature, our old man, as you often hear it called, and we're being transformed into a new creature. And this new creature is, again, a part of the work of the Holy Spirit that is doing that transformative work within us. And again, the end goal will be us becoming holy, the end goal will be us becoming righteous. In other words, the end goal will be us being perfect. We will have our true form of godliness. Okay, so as we take a look at our lesson this week, we are going to see Peter speak to how God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life, that pertain to godliness. And so the question has to be asked, well, how was life and how was godliness given to us what life is actually being spoken of uh, by Peter here. And of course, the life that Peter is speaking of is, is speaking to spiritual life. And again, the godliness is, that Peter is speaking about is not a self-righteous godliness, but a godliness that can only be given to us by the Lord. Okay. There are many people who believe that they can make themselves gods, that they again, by their own self-righteousness, can proclaim to be uh, or to have a form of godliness. And that's something that scripture uh, speaks about as well. There are many people who believe that their wealth, who believe that all of the possessions and riches of this world that they have gathered up, they believe that they should be glorified by that and that they have a form of godliness. Again, I think of kings like Nebuchadnezzar, who had built that that image of gold of himself so that people could actually glorify him so that people when when music was played would bow down and would worship him 
again, self-righteousness, just because you proclaim yourself to be righteous, if you do not have faith in the Lord, okay, you are not righteous at all. If you are not obedient to his way, again, there is no way for you to be righteous. The only way that any of us become righteous is if the Lord makes us righteous. If we have faith in the Lord, our obedience, that is what leads to us becoming righteous. And again, on the opposite side of that, if you are going around and you're proclaiming yourself to be righteous, but you are not being obedient to the way of God, you are being disobedient. Disobedience does not lead to righteousness. The only thing that disobedience leads to is an eternal suffering where you are no longer in the presence of the Lord. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into our scripture for today's lesson. We'll see here in the third verse that Peter, he tells us that knowledge of him, knowledge of God and his divine power, again, has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. And I said again, the life that is being spoken of there, it's not talking about life in this world. It's talking about uh, that spiritual life, the life that is eternal, the life that will be uh, with the Lord. Let us again be clear here that Peter is saying that we can only pertain, that we can only become holy and righteous, that godliness that he's speaking of there. It can only happen through our faith in the Lord. Okay, uh, we, we have to recognize again the Lord. We have to recognize again the Lord's divine power. And in order for us to recognize that again, we have to be humble. The prideful person, the person that is self-righteous, they, they will never be able to recognize the Lord and his divine power. They will believe that it was their works that led them to their righteousness. And that's, again, not the case. As you heard me again say all of January, the Lord wants us to be holy. God wants us to become righteous as well. Again, if you think about it, going all the way back to the first chapter of Genesis and the 26th verse, I hope that you have not forgotten that verse by now. Let us remember that when God created us, he created us in his image. He created us in his likeness. God has always desired for mankind to be just like him. Why has God always desired that? Well, the Lord wants to dwell with us. He has a great desire to dwell with us. And the only way that he will dwell with us is if we are like him, if we are holy, if we are righteous. Yet if we are sinners, like how we were in the world, there is a barrier, there's a wall, and he's not going to dwell with sin. We are going to be shut off. We're going to be blocked off from God by our sins. Yet when we believe, when we have faith in Christ, the blood of Jesus, it washes away our sin and we can become holy. We can become righteous. We can take on the true form of godliness that would again allow us to be with the Lord, not just for one day, but for all of eternity. So even after our disobedience, right? After our own personal disobedience, the, the Lord made a way for us to obtain godliness through through our faith. If you think about it, if you go all the way back to the garden, since I mentioned uh, the first chapter of Genesis and 26 verse. If I go all the way back to the garden with with Adam and, and with Eve, when they chose to disobey the Lord. God still 
after their disobedience in the garden, he made a promise. He made a promise to reconcile man to himself. He made a promise, in other words, to restore man back to the form of godliness that man was created in. He made a promise to restore man back to the image and likeness that we were created in. And we'll see here in the next few verses that, that Peter actually touches on this thought. If we take a look there at that fourth verse, Peter touches on the premises that were made by God and caused them exceedingly great. Said that the Lord's premises were precious or are precious as well. So again, what was the Lord's promise or what was his promises? Well, again, if we just stick in there in the garden, if we think about this for a moment, right? In the third chapter of Genesis, we see the Lord speaking to the serpent. In other words, we see God speaking to the devil himself. And the Lord promised to the serpent, the Lord promised to the devil that he would be defeated by him. And the him that he was speaking about in the 14th and in the 15th verse there in the third chapter of Genesis was the him who is divine. He was talking about his only begotten son who would come and who would bruise the head of the serpent. That's how you kill the serpent. Okay. So again, we know that him who was divine, we know that Christ came to our world from eternity dwelt in this world in the flesh. And again, while, while he dwelt in this world, God in the flesh, he made another premise as well that we know uh, very well from the third chapter of John's gospel in the 16th verse, where it was promised that all who believe in the only begotten son would not perish, but would have everlasting life. So yes, the Lord's promises, they are exceedingly great and they are precious as well. As we know, God is certainly faithful to keep his promises. Christ on the cross did defeat Satan, right? And again, as, as I've mentioned here already today, he reconciled. He reconciled all things to himself. And again, that's something that we went over recently in the Sunday school lesson as well from the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, where we were talking about the blessing of reconciliation. So as God promised the opportunity, it is there for us today to regain that form of, of, of likeness, that image that we were created in. It is certainly possible for us to do that. The opportunity is there for us. If we simply believe in the only begotten son, we would truly take on that form of godliness that people wish they had in the world today. There are many people who, who live among us who actually think of themselves as being perfect. There are no imperfections. There are no flaws. They believe that they have obtained a form of godliness again because of their wealth, again because of their possessions, their, their riches that they have gathered that are of the world. They believe that that has given them a, a form of godliness and that it has raised them above us common folks, right? us people who they think are below them. But again, that's not a true form of godliness at all. That is again, self-righteousness. So if we, if we, if we truly want to, to become holy, if we truly do want to become righteousness, if we truly do want to take on 
the true form of godliness. All we need to do is have faith. As Peter said, we escape the corruption that is in the world through our genuine faith, not through anything else. We cannot raise ourselves over sin any other way than by Christ who overcame the world himself. That's the only way that we can raise ourselves above sin. That's the only way that, in other words, we can be lifted up over the obstacle of sin is through faith in the Lord. We cannot we cannot lift ourselves up over the obstacle of sin by our own might and by our own power. Sin will simply just beat us into the ground over and over again. Like I said in recent weeks, there are many people who who think that they are overcoming sin by their own power and by their own might. But little do they realize that their soul is essentially being crushed from the heavy weight of sin. And one day they will recognize that their soul is being stressed and distorted and, and crushed by the heavy weight of sin. But in that day, it'll be too late for them. All right. Now, the thing about attaining godliness is that it it takes a journey. It's not something that is, is so simple uh, for us. We, we can say all day long that that we must have faith. But the truth of the matter is that having faith is a journey. It is not something uh, that is easy. All of us. OK, a lot of us, you know, we, we get to thinking that faith is simply about what we say, saying that that we believe. But again, something that I have expressed in the past and I have taught about in the past and preached about in the past in the past is that faith is a great deal deeper than that. Faith is more than what we say. Faith, it is about our actions as well. You see, faith we should understand we should understand today, faith is action. Okay, it's not about what we say. You know, it's, it's like that old saying, you know, it's not about what you say. It's about what you do. Your actions speak louder than your words. Right. And this was something this is a thought that James touched on himself as well when it came to faith. James, he is the one who said that faith without works is dead. You know, someone could say that they have faith, James said, but he would wonder, he would ask them, well, show me your works. And if you couldn't show him your works, then he would turn and say, well, your faith is dead. You see, faith, it is living. Faith is, it is moving. Faith, again, it is our actions. Okay. And so, again, like I said, what, what James was saying, essentially, it, it reminds me of that old saying again. Uh, you know, you, you can speak all day long, but but show me your actions because it is our actions that actually define us more than what we say. OK, actions, again, they speak louder than words. And, and I would tell you that James isn't the only person that felt this way about faith and that taught this way about faith, that spoke this way about faith as well. When you take a look at Paul's writings, OK, Paul, in his writings, when he spoke about faith, he essentially was speaking about doing what, what are you doing with your faith? This is one thing to say you believe, but it's another thing for you to show through your actions that you are walking by faith. Paul, again, is the one that said walk in the spirit. 
Okay, that was Paul. And again, I, I will tell you that Paul wasn't the only one, right? Paul wasn't the only one that said that. Jesus, he himself taught us that that faith is love. And again, guess what we know about love? Love isn't just something that you say. Love is expressed. Love is action. Love, it, it again, it moves. So if Jesus taught us that faith is love and, and, and we know that love moves, then guess what? Faith, it must move as well. Faith, it cannot be stagnant. If, if, if faith becomes stagnant, then it becomes dull. So as you have heard me preach before, our faith that it must mature, our faith that it must grow, it must improve. Faith it again, it is an action. It cannot sit still. And so even in those examples, I will show you one more example that we'll see here in our Sunday school lesson today. Well, we'll see here in the fifth and the seventh verse. Okay, the fifth through the seventh verse, I should say there. We'll see where Peter state that, again, to our faith, we must add virtue. To virtue, we must add knowledge. To knowledge, we must add self-control. To self-control, we must add perseverance and so forth. He went down the line. Godliness must be added essentially to our faith. Brotherly kindness must be added to our faith. Love must be added to our faith. Faith, again, I tell you, it doesn't start... Our faith, when we start out in our faith, we're just babies. And again, if you think about it, babies don't start off walking, do they? No, they don't. Babies don't start off knowing everything, do they? No, they don't. It takes time. The baby must grow. The baby must mature over time. So again, adding on to our faith, it'll take time. It is going to take time. We, we must be diligent. Okay, and, and growing in our faith. So faith that should be strengthened. Faith, in other words, as Peter was saying, it should be improved. Again, faith it can't sit still. All right. You and I, we should always uh desire to mature and, and to grow in our faith. Yeah, you know, we, we must keep in mind when it comes to our faith. And when it comes to improving in our faith, the reason why we must do this again is because we have been commissioned by Christ. Christ has called for us to go out into the world unto all nations, right? And to, to share the good news, to baptize all people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit while teaching them the way of Christ. So again, our faith, it can't sit still and accomplish what we have been commissioned to do, can it? No, our faith, again, it must be put into action. Our faith, it, it must it must move so that we can, again, carry out the task that, that we have been called to do. Back in 2012, when I uh, first began to publicly preach, again, I would tell you all that I was just a baby in ministering the gospel. I wasn't a baby in the faith, but I was a baby in, in ministering and preaching the good news. Now, I believe that I could adequately use my gift. I could preach a sermon. I could do that. I could teach. I could do that as well. But there was much growth that needed to take place. And I will tell you today, 
after after many, many years of teaching and many, many years of preaching, I still believe that I need to grow more, that I need to continue to improve. So did I sit still in my faith to improve from where I was in 2012 to now here in February of 2023? No, I didn't sit still, right? I, I was diligent in my studies and I still study. Okay, Uh, before 2012, I had read the Bible in its entirety. But just because I had read the Bible in its entirety, it didn't mean that I'd never picked up the Bible again. Right. (laughs) I I still pick up the Bible every day. I mean, I do it on my phone, (laughs) but I still I, I open the Bible every day. If you follow along with me, I've been in Sunday school all my life. I don't think that I know everything. I don't think that I'm too good for Sunday school. And I'm the same way about Bible study uh, as well. Okay, I've been going to Bible study for a long, long time. And I'm still big on that we need to be diligent in our Bible study as well. But unfortunately for us, something seems to happen to where our faith becomes dull. Something seems to happen to where some of us, we begin to think that we're too good for Sunday school, that we're too good for a Bible study. Uh, and, and, and again, I tell you that none of us are, are too good for either. We, nobody knows everything. We must again, in our faith, putting our faith into action, we must be diligent in our studies. Paul said that we ought to study to show ourselves approved. That's what he said to Timothy. He said that to all of us as well. And so that's what we see Peter getting at. Uh, there in the the seventh through, I'm sorry, not the seventh. That's what we see Peter getting there uh, in in those verses there that we just read from the fifth through uh, the seventh verse there. Okay, and then we'll see here in the tenth verse. Skipping down to the tenth verse, where Peter said to us that again, we need to be diligent to make sure our call and election is sure. Again, it is not enough for us to simply say that we believe. It's not enough to do that. Our faith, it must be put into action. And so far, we've been taking a look at putting our faith in, into action by diligently studying. Okay, But there are, again, more ways that we can put our faith into action, right? So, again, Peter is saying that just because we have become believers, that does not mean that we should stop increasing in our faith. Peter was saying, don't stop adding virtue. Don't start adding knowledge. Don't stop adding self-control and kindness and love to your faith. Because again, those that become dull of hearing are those who become more susceptible to falling out of their faith. They are more susceptible to not even living in their faith. Their faith just simply becomes word saying, hey, I believe. And again, I tell you, faith that is living, faith that is action, faith that is more than just saying, I believe. So if we, again, continue to be diligent in adding to our faith and growing our faith, we we end up putting ourselves in an even better position to fulfill the calling for which we have been called. And again, sharing the good news to all of those that are around us. Not only do we put ourselves into a better position to be able to minister the word. And I'm not when I say minister the word, I'm not talking about simply just preaching. I'm talking about when you talk to someone, 
when you testify, when you give a testify of yourself and all that you have gone through, you're better able to, to do that, right? If you continue to be diligent in your studies and you continue to improve and you continue to, to grow in your faith. When we are fulfilling our calling, when we are continuing to grow in our faith, we, we end up putting ourselves in the best position, okay, to, to share the good news with all those that are around us. Not only that, but we put ourselves in a better position to keep from stumbling and falling along the way. We are going to stumble and we are going to fall along the way. We can't help that. But again, we put ourselves in a better position to rep, uh, to to recognizing those obstacles that that stand before us and to be able to better be able to make it over those obstacles as well. As Peter said, the the believer that continues to grow in faith is the believer that will never have to question whether they have an eternal home or not. Okay? Because again, they they have grown in their faith. They they have made it over their obstacles. Again, they know what God has done for them and they know that they are in fellowship with the Lord. Okay? And, and those who again continue to improve, those who continue to to grow in their faith as well. We, we, we put ourselves in a position to where rather than living for the world, as many people do today, we are living for heaven. We, we have taken on that form of godliness to where, again, we recognize that this world is not our homes. It's just temporary. We, we would be living in a manner to where we desire to get back home. Okay. We desire to be in the Lord's heavenly kingdom. All right. So as we come to our close here in this lesson, we will see that Peter there in the 13th and the 14th verse, if you're looking at that, if you're reading those verses there, we'll see that Peter, he began to speak about his passing away from this world. You see, Peter at this point in time in his letter, he was looking ahead uh, to heaven. He had his eyes on heaven. He knew that his earthly journey was nearing its end. And so in the 12th verse there, just jumping back up to 12th verse, we'll see where Peter essentially states that he was sharing this message to encourage others to continue to grow in their faith, to, to continue in godliness is what we see Peter was encouraging there. He again, he knew that he was leaving this world. He knew that his journey was almost over with. And that was the final message that he wanted to leave with the people. Don't stop believing. Don't stop having faith just because I'm no longer in this world. Continue to grow in your faith. Continue to improve in your faith is essentially what Peter was saying there, right there at the end of our lesson for this week. Something that all of us, believers, something that we must continue to learn is that we don't just live for ourselves, do we? So again, some, there, there are many people in our world today that are selfish like that, but as believers, that that selfishness, it cannot be a part of our mindset. Again, look at all of the things there that Peter said we should add to our faith there in the fifth and the seventh verse. Self-control was there selfishness wasn't there. We didn't read anything about selfishness there. Love was mentioned there, right? Virtue 
was mentioned there, right? Yeah, selfishness. In selfishness, there is no virtue. In selfishness, there is self-control, but again, that self-control is just only inward looking, I suppose. You know what? I take that back. In selfishness, there is no self-control because you're greedy. You're greedy for just yourself. And again, that's that's definitely uh, not something that should be in the heart of a believer. So we believers, we, we must learn again that we don't simply live for ourselves. We're not in this world to simply live for ourselves. You see, we as believers, again, going back to the Great Commission, which you can find in the 28th chapter of Matthew's gospel. OK, uh, if you just scroll all the way down to the bottom, uh, the 28th chapter of Matthew's gospel, you'll run into the Great Commission there in the 19th and the 28th, the 20th verse, I should say. We see, we will see there in that commission that we live into we live in service to all of those that are around us, those that believe, and even those that do not believe. And again, that 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 lives up to the calling of the image of godliness. That lives up to the image of the Lord. The Lord uh, isn't just for Himself. He loves all of us, right? He loves all of us unconditionally. We again, we are living under His grace. And that's something that, that we have to remember, that we're living under grace, right? And so by living under grace, we should do something uh, with the love that the Lord has shown to us. And again, we have to remember this as well, that God created us in his image and in his likeness. And though we uh, live disobediently, the opportunity was there for us to take back on that image and that likeness that is of God through our faith. And through our faith, we have, we have taken on that image. And so in the true image of godliness, we have to remember the love of God. Okay, the, the true image of godliness is based on the image and the likeness of who? It is based on the image and the likeness of the Lord. So does God, I would ask, only love a select few? Absolutely not. We know that's not the case. He loved the world and he gave the world his only begotten son. See, Jesus told us himself that that the Lord loved the world. And that is why he gave the world his only begotten son there in the third chapter of John's gospel when he was speaking to Nicodemus. So, again, if we are striving to be Christ like, then our love, it cannot just be for the love of self. OK, again, Jesus said that we should not only love ourselves, but we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So our love, it cannot be just for ourselves and it cannot be just for a select few as well again the whole reason for us receiving the great commission for us being tasked by christ is because again the lord loved the world and he desires for us to go out unto all nations of people he desires for us to go out to the world with the good news that yes while we are sinners we can be forgiven of our sins and that salvation is there for all of those who are of faith and believe in the Lord and his only begotten son. So we should live with the mindset to where, again, we aren't loving just ourselves and we aren't loving just the select few. We are loving the world. We should live with the mindset. We should live with a desire as believers to where, again, our eyes are on heaven. And if our eyes are on heaven, we wouldn't want to just be there by ourselves. We want all of those that are around us to be there as well.
okay? Peter was moved with that same spirit, that same spirit that dwells in us today, that causes us to move, not just for ourselves, but that causes us to minister to all of those that were, or that are around us, okay? All right, so that is our Sunday School lesson for this week. I hope that you enjoyed this lesson. I hope that you will share this lesson with someone somewhere as well. Our form of godliness that we have obtained by our faith in the Lord. And again, it doesn't only look inward. It looks outward to all of those that are around us. We should look outward to all of those that are around us. We should love them as we love ourselves. Okay. All right. On that note, again, I hope that you'll come back for our Sunday School lesson next week. And again, I hope that you will continue to lift all those up around you in prayer. Pray for all people. You never know what anyone is going through. And again, by grace, let us continue to love all of those that are around us as well. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And again, come back for our Sunday School lesson next week, the last lesson of this winter quarter. Until that time, I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And again, I pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.